0: Okay, now, will you all bow your heads and pray with me? Lord God, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our lives to your will. And to the truth that you answer our failings and call us to live in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, this story from Genesis is actually one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. In fact, I've told many folks in our Word on Wednesday study and other places um, that uh, there's a question you'll sometimes see people ask. If you could only have one page of the Bible, um, what would you want? Uh, this, is, this is what I would want. I would want the story of Adam and Eve, the story of God placing them in the garden. Uh, actually, we just have a little porno today. Broken up so that uh, it puts these uh, this word about sin and temptation together all in one place. The verses that are chopped out of the gospel, of the lesson that we read today, just so you know in case you didn't look them up while we were reading them, um, are uh, are the creation of all of the animals and uh, the creation of Eve, um, which God does uh, in that time. Uh, to, bring a, uh, to bring Adam into relationship. And so uh, that's what was cut out of the center. And you can see how it's kind of... A, then we come back to this story of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and uh, the fall into sin that comes as a result of that uh, after this uh, introduction of the relationship that Adam has uh, in a special way with Eve, the one who is made for him. And so... Uh, This story, though, is not the first creation story. Um, The the first creation story is in Genesis chapter 1. This one doesn't start until Genesis chapter 2. In the first creation story, uh, there's seven days, right? And there's light, and then there's separating of the waters, and... Um, The waters that are above and the waters beneath, which gives us sky. And then there's the creation of lights for the day and the night. Um, And there's the creation of plants and sea creatures and land and animals and all of this. And the pinnacle of that uh, creation story on the sixth day, God creates uh, humankind in his image. God made them male and female. That's uh, in Genesis chapter 6. And after that, God says, and it was very good. But there's a seventh day of creation in that story, isn't there? Um, what happens on the seventh day? Who knows? Yeah. He sleeps. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kind of. Sleep is part of it. Yeah. Nope. He's already made all the animals. Yeah. Rest. Yes. God creates rest. God rests from all that he had been doing, and, and he blesses the creation with this rest. He, he creates rest. There's a time of completion and rest and fulfillment. And that day of rest is a day when God rejoices in all of the creation. It's not just that he sleeps. Although I'm sure that sleeping is part of it in, 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 for us. But uh, um, rest is not just about sleep. It is about uh, celebrating. It's about um, it's about not trying to make something more. About saying, uh, I, I don't have to create a new thing today. I can just rest in what is already here and celebrate and enjoy and love and treasure and cherish. That is, that's the idea that's communicated when God rests on the Sabbath. And it's what we're called to do as well, to rest in what God has made. I tell you this because the second story of creation that has a whole different order starts with the creation of of Adam, the first man, and then and then uh, he's placed in a garden which brings in all the plants and then he names all of the animals and then he's given Eve and, and God is present with them. It's all about relationship in this second story of creation. But what doesn't come in the second story of creation is very interesting. And our Jewish rabbi friends are the ones who pointed this out to me. They said... Uh, What happens is that this story of sin entering the world in the story of Adam and Eve breaks into God's creation. And we understand that. But what it does is think fast forward a bit. If you've read uh, further into Genesis chapter three, where where they are removed from the garden where they, where there are punishments and things that are um, that are part of the world, the world isn't going to be all, uh, isn't gonna work. It doesn't work easily anymore. It's all still there. But what happens is now, um, instead of the next thing in creation, which we said was rest, what's given instead is toil and work. That comes next in the story. And so our Jewish friends say that that means that keeping the Sabbath, coming to rest, is our way of completing creation. Of our, it's our way of participating in what God's plan is. That God's plan is for it to go to a place of rest. And so our work, because of our sinfulness, because of our brokenness, is to keep the Sabbath, is to find our way to rest. I like that idea. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I like it for a lot of reasons. I like it because uh, it calls us to, uh, to, to put first God's plan and, to, and God's provision which is exactly what Adam and Eve don't do in this story, right? <laughs> I've I've placed in this garden of you in this garden of delight and pleasure. You have you can eat of any of the trees of the garden. The no- tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that. For when you eat of it, you will die. It's God's word to them. What's God doing there? Why did he make the tree in the first place? That's what all—that's the next question everybody always asks me. Why, why did he make that tree in the first place? Didn't he, didn't he know the world is supposed to be a safe place? Right? Maybe not. Who says the world is supposed to be a safe place? God has created the world as God has created it. And this story tells us that God has created the world with danger in it. But he has also told us that he will provide a way for us to live safely within it. This isn't the only tree in the garden, is it? There's all kinds of trees, including uh, one tree that is of great significance, the tree of life. You see, they, they have access to the tree of life, which would give them... Everlasting life. Not because they are everlasting, but because they have access to everlasting life. There's a very big difference. You were not created to... uh, People were not created so that we were immortal. We were created to depend upon God's provision for for life. Which God has given us all the way from the beginning. But we have chosen something else. Just what this story illustrates. And what we chose is what? The the knowledge of good and evil. The ability to judge. (laughs) That's what we've chosen. Instead of life. Is the ability to judge, to decide for ourselves what is right and what is wrong, to decide for ourselves what is good and what is hurtful, to decide for ourselves what we need and what we do not need. That's what we've chosen. And when we make that choice, what are we doing? It's not just that we're it's not just about whether we make a good choice or a bad choice, about what's good or not good for us. It's that we trust our judgment and we seek our judgment rather than leaving that to God, who said this one was not made for you. Trust me. He set a boundary there. That's why in the Lord's Prayer when we talk about sins, what do we call them? We call them trespasses, Because we've crossed to something, to a place where we don't belong. We've reached for something that is not ours. The serpent says exactly that to Adam and Eve, doesn't he? He says... And I say Adam and Eve because if you read carefully, at the end of, after the eating, um, uh, she gives some to Adam who was with her, (laughs) right? Sometimes people imagine this whole scenario uh, like Adam was somehow doing some righteous thing in a different part of the garden and Eve was over here messing up the world. That's not what the story says. This is absolutely a false reading of the scripture. He was with her. What, what happens is that Adam is just kind of standing there not saying a word, which, which we can all understand because we've been in that place where the, where the woman is talking and trying to do something useful and I'm just standing there. And then, and then I get handed food. And then I eat it. So, you can read this story however you choose. (laughs) You see why I like it, though, right? I love this story because it doesn't just, it's not just that it happened, it's that it happens. I use that line all the time with scripture. I learned it uh, a number of years ago from Rob Bell, uh, who had it in one of his books. It's not just that it happened, it's that it happened. I get caught in this place all the time. The place of temptation is here. And I think, all right, I know it would be so great if I could have that. Then I could understand. Then I could decide. Then I could make the right choice. Then I could make this the way that it's supposed to be. Then I could do this. You know, every time I do that, I reach for what is not mine, what the serpent said exactly. He knows, God knows that when you eat of it, you will be, this is the lie he tells us, you will be like God, knowing good or evil, right? But do we become like God, knowing good and evil? No, we just get into good and evil. We just, we already know that. We already know that, but we trust that we can decide better than God. And the desire to be like God is so tempting. And we reach for it all the time. So come back to this idea of Sabbath and creation being disrupted by our sin. God is creating, God is making, God is shaping, God is forming a a beautiful and perfect world where there is life and energy and danger and excitement and joy and learning and growth and all of these things are present for us. But God is with us in it and says the one thing about this world is that you must trust me. And where I set lines, they are not to keep the mini Oreos from you. They are to give you the very best that this world has to offer. But we reach and we try to complete God's creation. And we are unable. We are unable. We find what Adam and Eve find. That when we see what we thought we were called to do and our ability to do it, having eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we look at ourselves and we see that we are naked, bare, lacking, that there's something about us that, Isn't complete. We're not right. And we have shame. And we live there so often. How, friends, do we get out of that? Not by continuing our own reach. For no amount of our reaching or strength or effort will ever make you God. But here's the good news. God chooses to reach to you. The Apostle Paul says one man's trespass is answered by another man's obedience. And that man is the God-man, Jesus Christ. For while we cannot reach for God's ability and take it as our own, God has chosen to come and be among us, with us, one of us. And he can show us who we are. When Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, we think, well, of course he can resist the temptation. He's God. But actually, the way the story goes here, it, he doesn't do that in his God strength. He does that as a godly human who trusts the word, who trusts God's call, and who sees beyond his own passion, his own desire, to trust God's passion and God's desire. You and I are not ever going to do that fully, but we can learn from Jesus how to be more godly. We can't learn from Jesus how to be God. But God has shown us how to be human. And when he does, when Jesus does, he finishes the work. So that the call of creation that has been disrupted by sin is answered by the cry of Christ on the cross. When he lays down his life for us and says, it is finished. May you rest in him today. May you rejoice that what we cannot do, God has already done in Jesus Christ. And may you be called not to reach for something you are not, but to see in Jesus the call to what we can become. A people who trust God's word, God's life, God's provision above all else that we might rest